Welcome to Planet Local Voices from the Local Futures podcast. In this series, you will hear from a wide array of voices who came together in 2023 to build a global movement for local economies worldwide. This episode features Ellie Saltmarsh. Ellie comes from a small farm in southern England where she lives and practices agroecology. Since returning home from her studies in biology and agricultural sciences, she has worked with the Land Workers Alliance and with a young farmers organization called Flame. She applies her research to show how the UK can feed itself sustainably and what policy frameworks could be adopted to support small farmers, to support food security and real climate action. The first half of this episode is a short interview with Ellie, while the second part is a recording of the powerful address she gave on stage at the Planet Local Summit. From Planet Local Voices, here's Ellie Saltmarsh. Hi, uh, I'm Ellie Saltmarsh. I grew up on Five Penny Farm down on the Dorset coastline. Um, it's a small-scale organic farm, about 40 acres that we share with our neighbours. And uh, my parents moved there with me and my younger sisters when I was quite young because they really uh, didn't feel like they fit in with a lot of society and wanted to move back to the land and regain that connection. Um, it was quite a difficult journey. Uh, we're in a very rural area that's quite full of people who didn't understand what they were trying to do. And obviously they had four young children, so it was a lot of work, um, but it was really worth it. They've built such uh, an amazing little uh, patch of nature down there. Uh, I uh, moved away from the farm for a little bit to study. I went to Oxford University to study biology and then I went to Penn State University in America to study agricultural science. Um, and I am still studying actually remotely. Uh, I'm researching ways that we can adapt crops to climate change through harnessing biodiversity. And then I'm also working on some projects with um, local town councils and local parishes to try and uh, work on a food security plan um, to build resilience in the face of climate change. Of course, Ellie's story is not typical. Given a whole host of financial and psychological pressures that stem from the modern economy, it's not common for a person who grew up on a small farm to choose an agricultural livelihood. Ellie gets specific about these urbanizing pressures and about how she thinks they could be addressed to foster the young farmers' movement. Well, yeah, there is a big push um, to move away from agriculture, to move away from rural areas, and it makes sense. It's very hard work um, growing up. You do see your parents struggling a lot. There's not a lot of money in it. And there's a big push from schools as well to go into something uh, more scientific, maybe to get a more professional career. Um, but I think what we're also seeing is this widening disconnect with the land, with our food, and it can be quite isolating to a lot of people uh, in their hearts. A lot of people are now beginning to feel this disconnect with nature and maybe realise that they need to get back to it in some way. So um, 
there is no shortage of people now in the UK who want to get back to the land. Uh, the issue is just accessibility. So for a lot of people who are wanting to get involved, who are seeing um, that they're disconnected and maybe have been advised by their friends, maybe seen it on social media, even being advised by doctors and mental health practitioners to reconnect with the land, they're trying, but they find it really hard to uh, find projects, to find land, to find uh, finance to do that. So uh, I'm a member of the Land Workers Alliance. It's the UK, uh, well, peasant uh, producers uh, movement uh, as part of an international peasants movement, La Via Campesina. And they uh, push strongly uh, for government policy change. Um, and some of their recent campaigns involve uh, increasing support for new entrants. So that includes things like planning reform to make it easier to uh, live on land once, you, once you've managed to access it. Um, some little pieces about increasing access to land um, and then increasing support, initial funding, um, especially for agroecological um, startup projects uh, and increasing funding for research into agroecology and training on agroecology. Um, so they're doing some amazing work on pushing the government. But then we've also seen some really amazing work on the local level. Uh, I've been working with a local town council and the surrounding parishes, and one thing they want to do is increase the resilience of their local food system. And as part of that, they recognise that they need to get more young people into agriculture in the local area. So they've been helping in the ways that they can with... Um, connecting young people with land, especially with large landowners who maybe have a small area of land that they can set aside to be farmed, um, and connecting uh, ageing farmers, um, because the farming population in the UK is really ageing now, with young people who want to take over the businesses and really just forming those connections between people who have the land and people who want the land. Uh, so I think by... Uh, uh, reform on both a local and on a national level, we can hopefully start to see some change around that. We asked Ellie if she thinks a localised agroecological future is possible for the UK and whether that vision could work for biodiversity and ecosystems as well as people. Uh, I not only think it's possible, I think it is necessary. I personally, I do a lot of research. I'm a scientist at heart as well as a farmer. And one of my more recent projects has been whether we can feed the UK agroecologically. There is enough land. We have, uh, you know, over three quarters of the UK land area is dedicated to agriculture. And a lot of it is quite inefficient, quite polluting, and uh, really not good for biodiversity uh, for the environment or for us um, and if we can really invest in an agroecological transition so that means um, funding farmers to uh, transition away from the methods it means researching into new methods and really funding those as well um, and then really encouraging people forming a network that they can use to rely on to learn from each other um, then we can get people farming agroecologically uh, which should help biodiversity uh, 
kind of rebuild itself across farms and outside of farms. If we can uh, try to slightly reduce the meat that we eat, um, try and reduce some of the main inefficient uses of land, um, uh, then we can probably try to uh, localise our food system as much as possible, uh, stop um, importing so much and reduce our overseas footprint, then we can reduce carbon emissions and um, we should be able to then uh, really try and let nature thrive outside of agroecological areas um, and let biodiversity recover in those ways too. So I think uh, there's often been a debate, uh, a dichotomy pushed about land sharing versus land sparing. And I think that is a false dichotomy. We can have um, land sharing with agroecological methods, but if we make small changes to our diet, to the ways that we are farm, so just optimizing production, making it more efficient, layering production systems, and we work on eliminating waste, then we can also spare land for nature as well. Now, with that interview as background, We'd like to leave you with Ellie's live address to the Planet Local Summit, where she spoke candidly about community, climate crisis, and about her worries and her hopes for the future. Hi, I have to apologise to everyone, especially the organisers, for being very late and panicking everyone. The trouble with um, getting farmers to arrive at your conferences is that sometimes farm things happen. Um, we had a ram go loose in the village and I had to make a quite embarrassing post on the Facebook page saying, has anyone seen this guy? He's very friendly, very big horns, very big bulls. Um, if anyone could uh, let me know. But luckily my local community came to my aid. Um, I have managed to trade some pork chops for the safe return of our ram and everything's good and I can tell you a little bit more about the farm and a little bit about what I'm doing. Um, so I probably met some of you when I was yay high, um, when my mum dragged me around to things like this and I thought they were incredibly boring. And yet, here I am again. <laughs> That's my mum, Jyoti Fernandez. Um, I grew up on a little farm down in South Dorset, uh, and I'm once again back on the farm after many years away, um, studying and discovering that there's really no place in the world that is better to be. I did know that when I was little. I um, basically asked the world for nothing more than clean air, clean water, a place where I didn't have to talk to very many people, um, and where I could just bake bread, raise chickens. And um, that was too much of an ask, I guess. Um, when I was 16 or so, I did a little research project into climate change and said to my teachers, hey, do they know that um, the world's going to burn? Uh, and they said, yeah, um, we've got maybe a couple of years. And I thought, a couple of years, that'll be enough time for me to fix it. Uh, so I went to university and I did some work there. And um, I'm still working on trying to fix it. I'm older now. I'm a lot more tired now. And I've kind of got to the point where I don't think we can fix it anymore. We're going to watch the world burn a little bit. We already are. 
we're going to see wars, we're going to see mass migration, we're going to see even more people starving. And it's really hard to deal with, uh, especially as a youth. Um, I know that this is just going to be the sort of situation that we face on a year-to-year, -year, on a day-to-day -day basis. But it's also really, really, it's possible for us to do something about it still, for us to try to adapt, for us to try to evolve into a new world. Um, and so right now what I'm working on is figuring out how that can happen. And I know so many of you are working on so many projects that are also looking at how we can make that happen. Um, one of the best ways is through strengthening our local economies, through relying on our local communities, so that when the wars come and the heat and the famine comes, we have people we can rely on and we have our little pieces of nature around us that we can rely on to draw strength on and um, really draw energy from to try and cope with all of this change. Um, one of the things I'm working on right now is looking at a, a food security plan for a, a tiny area of the UK down near Bridport and the surrounding areas. And it's just, you know, the town council thought maybe we should do something about this. Maybe we can scrape together five days wages for someone to do some science and figure out how we can feed our local population and what we should encourage our farmers to produce. What sort of crops will maybe be more resilient? Is there a way that perhaps we could encourage some more people to enter horticultural professions around here so that we aren't as faced by price spikes or anything when we get more storms? And that little piece of work is going to help improve the future of the population of maybe 20,000 is not very big. And yet, every single location across the UK also is doing something like that. I've heard about the Fief Diet and the Preston Project and Bristol's Community Energy Project. I've heard so much about that today. Uh, it's all these little puzzle pieces slotting together um, that all seem like they're going to make a really strong network of resilient little community hubs across the UK. Um, so I better stop talking now so that I can give you back to the organizers and they can tell you about tomorrow. <laughs> That was recorded in September 2023 at the Planet Local Summit in Bristol, UK. To get notified about new episodes from this series, subscribe to our channel or sign up to our mailing list via localfutures.org. Also find on our website a vast collection of resources for education and big picture activism to shift the economy from global to local. And of course, we hope you'll tune in to the other inspiring thinkers and movement leaders featured in the Planet Local Voices series. Until next time, thanks for listening to Planet Local Voices from the Local Futures podcast. <laughs>